Hi, I'm Josh Gonzalez, and welcome to MindMeld. This is a podcast where I have in-depth conversations with some of the brightest people in the known universe. My aim is to spark deep conversations around interesting topics so we can find the tools, tactics, and philosophies that we can all use in our daily and creative lives. In this episode, I sat down with Brent Sterling. Brent currently runs social media performance marketing at Shopify. He's experienced in all forms of paid and organic social, as well as building multi-channel strategy for a number of industries, including software as a service, tech startups, direct-to-consumer brands, hospitality, and even politics. In this episode, we get into all things social media marketing, from the organic side to paid social media tactics, and this is all from pretty much a high level, just a kind of an intro. So that being said, if you are a marketer yourself, you might find some of the tools and tactics and some of the things we talk about a little bit beginner, but I think you'll still enjoy Brent's stories about his experience working at Shopify. He started a social media agency and also working at Toronto's largest tech accelerator. So he has lots of experience, lots of really good stories. And since this episode does take place during the COVID-19 pandemic, we do talk about his work experience working from home. As you may or may not know, Shopify is one of the biggest companies in Canada to put in place a permanent work from home scenario. So we do talk about some of his overall experience working from home with his wife and a young kid and how he's making that work in his daily work schedule. And there's lots of incredible stories here. Brent shares a lot of information. So if you do want to dig deeper or look up some of the things we talk about, all of the show notes for this episode are posted on my website if you want to dig deeper. So you can go into the link in the description of this podcast, or you can go directly to joshgonzalvis.com. That's J-O-S-H-G-O-N-S-A-L-V-E-S.com. And you can also reach out to me and Brent on Twitter. You can talk about anything mentioned in this episode, or if you just want to hit one of us up, you can find both of our social media handles in the description of this podcast. And again, at the show notes at joshgonzalvis.com. So let's get right into it. I'm Josh Gonzalvis, and this is Mind Meld with Brent Sterling. Okay, well, Brent, thanks so much for coming on MindMeld. We get to talk all things social. You can enlighten me and all the listeners on all things social because I know your paid and organic social game is strong, even though you don't think so. If you think you're good, then you're not, right? Like, that's the, that's the thing. As soon as you start to realize, like, oh, I barely know anything, then, then that's when you're like, I'm probably not bad at this. But don't tell yourself that in your head. You always have to feel like you're behind. Exactly. That's how you start off. Cool, man. So I guess for anyone listening who do, who doesn't know you, tell tell us a little about, about yourself. I know about you, but you know, I want people to understand what you do, who you are, you know, just just everything, man. Just just give us it all. My day job is is at Shopify. I run uh, I'm on the performance marketing team. Um, and myself and another person specifically focused on acquisition. Uh, if you've ever seen a Shopify ad 
on a social media channel, I have put it there. Which is crazy because like it's literally global, which is, I mean, we can't talk about specifics, but maybe you can talk a little bit about like the plan right now and the phase that you're in, because I'm sure by now everyone's heard of Shopify, which might not have been the case five years ago. I mean, I think that if you're in Canada, you've probably heard of Shopify. Definitely. Elsewhere, at least hearing the word Shopify. I mean, I think for the first like year, my mom thought I worked at Spotify. Uh, and, and like, that's fine. Uh, but like, I, I think that we're, especially now during like unprecedented times, I keep doing air quotes. Like somebody can see me and I realize maybe, maybe the video will go up eventually. (laughs) Uh, but like, as everybody's kind of going online more and more, uh, to, to do stuff. I mean, I think that there was some. Uh, graph that was like circulating around about like online commerce or e-commerce or whatever uh, is that I don't need to get into the semantics of that. Let's just say e-com and then we'll be good. Uh, <laughs> but um, that like in a three month period, it did like it was kind of moving along at a steady clip, but in three months it kind of jumped uh, like 10% or something like that. Just all of a sudden, everybody that was never like, oh, I'm never going to sell online is like, oh, I guess I'm selling online now. Uh, <laughs> but like that's, well, it's 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 good. It's, it's good for, it's, it's not good. The, the whole the whole world in general is not is not good. But like people transitioning to online, like I think, I don't, I don't know how deep you want to get into this, but I think that like, it is kind of forcing those like holdouts that that were like that had terrible online experiences or they just had like a website and i mean it makes me think of like freelance clients that i had back in the day where i was just like no you got to have like a website and they were just like why i'm like well cuz like you need it and and you need social to be able to like get in front of people and like provide a solid experience online and and this is kind of like clicked people over to it. There's one guy that um, he used to work at shoelace and he tweets about it all the time. His parents have like a, sorry, this is a random aside, but his parents have, uh, he grew up selling vegetables in the mountains in France. And that's where his parents are. And they used to go to like, like farmer's markets every weekend and his parents are getting older. And during this, he finally convinced them to, and he's like a digital growth guy, which is kind of crazy because it would drive you insane, right? If your parents are like, no, I'm not doing anything online. And so he, he finally transitioned them to like online and now they actually like make more money and it it's less work for them because they don't have to like load up trucks with vegetables and drive to like a market and set everything up and then try and sell their stuff and then take everything that they didn't sell home. Instead, they're like doing baskets where they're like sending it to people and they have like online orders coming in and they've just kind of decided now. And he has like a bunch of threads about it. His name's Florent Schmal. I don't, I'm probably you can send, send me the link. I'll, I'll yeah. put the link in the description. I'm sorry. After. I'm sorry, Flo, if you ever listen to this. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but like, it, it's just really interesting, right? Where, people that were kind of resistant to this, like taking a business online are kind of like realizing like, Oh, this can be a sustainable business model that is actually like scalable and far more scalable and, and less work. That's the key to the less work. But honestly, even that aside with like the sort of farmer's market, I'm thinking like one of the biggest 
opportunities of like the next five to 10 years might actually be vertical farming, urban farming in the cities, in these unused spaces, and then selling them online, like direct to consumer or team up with these, you know, was it voila by Sobeys and like grocery gateways. And you're just like supplying them and you're, you know, it's distributed and it's much healthier because it's like in the city. Interesting to see what happens with like office spaces in general. Yeah, Shopify was one of the first big companies to announce like indefinite work from home. So yeah, I want you to kind of talk about it because obviously you have a lot more insight than even what people have seen on the news and whatnot. So I'd love to hear sort of that transition and everything that happened there. I can't remember exactly. Probably end of March, early April, maybe later than that. Maybe it was late April. They came out with like digital by default um is what they were calling it and you know they were kind of like look we're going digital by default we're going to figure out what it looks like we don't know for sure like we're letting everybody know early uh so like you know start to think about that and it was more like because i think a lot of people initially started with like well like i'll just i'll work from my couch and and like you know, after a month or two of working straight from your couch, you're just like, Oh, this is rough. And instead, I think it was kind of like incentivizing everybody to like, Hey, if you have like terrible internet, go out and probably like sort that out. And same with like, if you're working from a couch, maybe get a chair, uh, like that you could sit in Get a um, desk. Don't yeah. be hunched over. Don't destroy your back. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so did like, they give you like some kind of stipend or any kind of like structure around that? Any kind of cash to like set up your space? Mid-March or whatever, where they were just like, we're not going back into the office. Here's like a thousand bucks for everybody to go and buy what you need to be able to like get through this. And then I think it was like a month and a half later where they were like, okay, now you're working from home. And we have perks and stuff that you can utilize. There are like 5,000 or 6,000 employees. Like how, what? (sighs) No, but it is crazy. This happened like how long after they just moved into the new office? Like they just got that new office. They're building one in Toronto and they're building one in Ottawa. And like, I'm really, it's got to be interesting to be on that, on the team that's sorting out like, what do we do with these offices? And I believe that, don't quote me. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. yeah, like people will hear it, but I don't know because they're not like calling me and they're like, hey, you know, who we should tell about our office plans. The guy running our paid social like nobody's. He nobody's, needs to know. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's just like, shoot me a Slack message like, hey, just so you know. Um, but yeah, we made we got a DM Brent. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, wait, wait, wait. Toby's about to make a decision. Should we check with Brent? Um but uh, like it, it, it will be interesting to see because I think we're going to keep some because there are like some jobs that require like collaboration. Um, but what those offices look like, and I think this is like one of those like overall questions of like what is like Facebook and Twitter and like what are they going to do with these spaces, kind of moving forward. Yeah, like Facebook has an entire like city. They have like a whole little town going on. Like it's crazy. I was there last year. I went down for a thing. It's Disneyland, but but there are no rides and everything is free. And it, literally though, it looks like a Disneyland facade because the person that designed Disneyland designed Facebook. 
I didn't know that. That's cool. I knew that Frank Gehry designed like the main building. Like the craziest place I've ever been and that they have like, you just Google what they have there. It's, and then while you're at it, Google, Google as well. Yeah, Google like, HQ, Googleplex. They're, like, they're just like coffee shops and like, it looks like a little town. Well, not a little town, like a big town. It's a big town. Yeah. And they have like Ubers that drive around, like just like Facebook Ubers, like not, not actually Uber, but like you just like, you're at a building and you pick up a phone and then a car shows up to drive you to another building and you're like for a meeting to yeah it's crazy what is happening um so yeah, yeah i wonder what they're a, gonna do i don't know what? like i mean it's a beautiful space and it's yeah gigantic but at the same time like how do you have where what do you do with that is it that everybody that can work remote works remote and then you space everything out and then how do you create like collaborative spaces and like maybe it becomes more of a gathering place like yeah event because they still do those events and conferences right so yeah it's weird but also like there was like these conflicting things where at first it's like yeah we're gonna save so much money by distributing our team work from home like you have to pay for them but then they realize wait they will probably be better off in the office better for collaboration better for certain projects but how about for you guys? Like, have you guys found that like working remotely has been okay? I mean, for what you're doing, like, purely digital stuff, it must be okay. But I'd love to hear how that's gone. The job is the same. And I think that people, everybody's kind of adjusting to like, well, how many meetings do you need? Because if you want to talk to anybody, then you got to book something or like hop on a Google Meet. I'd be interested to see overall, like where productivity is at. I mean, it's pretty, well, it's not the same for me because I have a four-year-old running around all the time. Yeah. How do you feel like, produ- like productivity wise? No, no. If you've heard the rant from any parent during this time that is working from home, you've heard the rant that I'm like about to go in. Like you're, I'm at like 30 to 40%, maybe if I like, if I'm lucky. Right. And then it's, it's the, you decide at night, are you like, okay, so like right now my son is asleep. Dope. Am I going to work until midnight so that I can catch up or, but then in the morning feel terrible and like feel burnt and then, and then have to parent and try and work. Um, or you like go to sleep, get a decent night's rest, wake up and you can parent, but you're only able to like do it at a 40% kind of clip because otherwise like he's four and we're probably melting his brain with screens. Like I'm full time and she's in digital stuff too. And she has a far larger, she's far more successful than I am. Um, and, and like sometimes you just got, you got to get stuff done and then, you'll sit you're like yeah you can watch an hour of paw patrol and you're like okay here we go and then you just get into working and then all of a sudden you look up and you realize like it's been like five hours has you been watching paw patrol for five hours like oh no that can't be good that's never good at four um but like here here we are and like you're just kind of sometimes you just got to write it off and you're like it can't break him that much but like, we'll figure it out when he's like 25 and I'll see like, are you serial killer ish or are you totally fine? And I don't know, like who knows? Because a cartoonist, who knows, man, who knows how, how this, yeah, it's crazy. It's, just, it's trying to find different. So like one, 
the people that have young kids are in a difficult situation. So I will say like my team has picked up a lot of the slack, like, Hey, I'll like jump on that for you and like write this brief or whatever. And then you can just like read it. And I'm like, that is amazing. Um, That's great. My mom got into like Google meet and now he has a meeting with grandma and because he knows what meetings are now, like he's like, Oh, you're in a meeting. Um, and, and like, she like reads him books and, and like they play trucks and it's dope. Cause we just like put him in the playroom and then, and then you're like, cool, I'm going to, I'm going to do work. Uh, so that's super helpful. But I, at the same time, my mom's got to just be bored out of her mind. How do you talk to a, a four-year-old for like two hours? Sometimes it's just like three hours. And I walk in and I'm like, are you still on a call with grandma? And he's like, yeah. And my mom's just there like, hey. <laughs> I love that. I'm always saying like, you don't, you don't have to be here this long. She's like, I'm just sitting in my garden and playing with him. And I'm like, okay, okay. That's um, awesome. So yeah, like I that, can see how that would be so tough. Like, but, that's like it's, it's there's two jobs at once, right? Because like parenting, that's a full time job. At least if you don't want to break them. Exactly, and it's also not like it's not a pandemic, and he can just go to school or go to daycare or something, and he can work from home. It's that's not the case at all. Like, it's it's totally different situation. Like run him or any like even it's crazy. Imagine being like four and seeing a park, and now he doesn't even like react to it. He's just like. Yeah, we can't go there. And you're like, he just yeah. knows his mind he by default. Knows. Nah. Like, he's like, mm. and even now, like people are going back to it. And I'm kind of like, eh, I'm going to chill in stage two for a little bit. Yeah. And like, so he's like, kids are playing. Can I go play? And I'm like, no. Okay, does he understand? Because that's hard. That's a hard thing to, to say to kids that we're in a pandemic. And it's like, technically, like the law says you can go, but like, should you? Like, you're making that decision to stay safe, you know? Understanding of what the coronavirus is, um, he's not a fan of it. Uh, but he's always like, when the coronavirus is over, we can go and play on the park. And I'm like, yeah, you totally can. Like then. Yeah. And you, but you, it's definitely, his birthday was just like a couple of days ago. And, you know, like COVID guilt kicked in and I bought him like a dune buggy power wheel because I was just like, yeah, you need this. So like, he's that kid now, which I feel like my wife and I were talking about it where we were like, neither of us, you can tell every adult when you're driving down the street with his like little power wheel thing, every adult that wanted one growing up that never had one, because that's most people, right? If you know somebody that was like, I had a power wheel, you're like... Uh, I don't know about you then. And now we're like, we're making that kid. And most other kids are like, Oh, that's cool. But like the adults are all like, what is that thing? It's like the Tesla for kids for sure. Yes. It's amazing. So, so so have you found any, like, I mean, again, it's been hard and I'm sure you found some ways to cope. So like, I mean, for any parents out there, do you have any advice, like anything, any little tips, tricks that you have found that kind of work? Like, you know, this is, this is better than it was before at the beginning. Like, it's not good. It's not pretty. Like we at one point tried like a schedule and we were like, we're only going to let him watch TV for 30 minutes. And like, we're going to do all these other things. But then like you, you can't, I used to, I used to teach and you can't lesson plan then actually execute on those lessons on top of that is like pretty demanding as it is. Um, so it's more about like, just, just is what it is. 
we're gonna get through it. I mean, we're gonna send him to school in September if everything's cool. Um, but if it isn't, you got to make that call. You got to make that call when you get there. He'll be okay. There's no month or two months or even a year of school. Like maybe when you're like in grade 11 or something, like then it matters. Even then, I don't know. I don't know. Is it really like the socialization point part is like really, really hard where you just like want him to be able to hang out with people. But, um, but other than like the school stuff, he'll figure it out. I don't, there's no, there's no adult that I know that went through like elementary school and like, doesn't know how to read or write or like, it's fine. Yeah. The basics, just all you gotta do is show him how to run Facebook ads and set up a Shopify store and you're good. He'll be, he's good. I think I remember, I think I remember you tweeting something like that. Like I got to make sure as soon as my kids of age, like I'm just going to sh- teach him, make a Shopify store. It's more like entrepreneurship than anything else. Right? Like, yeah, like, a, a Shopify store does not mean that that's the only way to be an entrepreneur or anything like that. But like, it's, it's an least, avenue. It's an avenue to like learn about things. You learn way more trying to like run your own thing and figure stuff out, learn how to learn. And then after that, you use that to, to learn the actual things that you need to know. Like I have a history degree. My wife has a history degree and like neither of us do anything with history um like what i like the only way that i spin it in a job interview is like i'm like well i studied some like propaganda and (laughs) that's like like the beginnings of marketing and that's why i'm a good marketer now um the history of marketing with propaganda it's true though i mean yeah it is you can kind of look at it and be like oh this influences a lot of people Um, totally so how did you get into social media because you did your own business and then dmz is how we met when you're doing social there so how did you get into this all i graduated from university moved to japan and i taught high school english there for four years teaching in japan is kind of like university 2.0 uh where like you have more money and it's not it's not the hardest thing to do um and and you like live in Japan where it's, you know, they have like all you can drinks for $20 for four hours. And you're like, what? Uh, so just so much Jim beam. It's just all Jim. Yeah. Beam. It's just, <laughs> yeah. So like we lived there uh, for a while. I kind of got into, that was when like Facebook was kind of. Yeah. So what year, what year would that have been? I graduated from university in 2006. Like I moved to Japan in 2006 and I moved back in 2010 so like social was starting to become more of a thing and I was using it at the time to like build community there. But that was just cause I like wanted to go and party with people. And I was like, yo, we need like a Facebook group and we need forums and like all these like digital pieces. Um, and then I kind of, and then I started like my camera was terrible. So I started taking video instead of pictures. And then I started to like learn how to do video editing. Cause I was like, Oh, these are great for like my trips and I'll like cut them together. And like, then you know it just like progressed because i had spare time because i was pretty good at english so it's not like i needed (laughs) to like study up um and uh yeah like i wasn't like oh i don't know how to teach this subject it was just like yeah english cool yeah we take it for granted it's pretty funny yeah a little bit but like we had like you had an you were an assistant teacher to a japanese english teacher so it was like relatively it wasn't super hard uh so I had a lot of like time to do other things. And then I came back 
And we figured, yeah, we've lived abroad and we have history degrees. We'll get jobs. No, not at all. Uh, so like I took a job selling cell phones while we were signing up for cell phones. Like I, somebody was like, do you need a job? And I was like, I do. And I, and I sold cell phones for two years, 29 years old being like, yeah, okay. Now I work in a mall selling cell phones. Uh, so that was a little bit of a fall from grace. Uh, <laughs> but at the same, so then I started to get into like digital stuff and like was dealing with the, the I lived in Ottawa at the time. Um, cause my in-laws gave my, well, my wife wasn't my wife at the time, but they gave us a better deal than my parents did when we were moving back. They were like, you can use our cars and you could stay here forever. And we were like, dope, we're moving to Ottawa. So sold cell phones, I'm making this longer than it needs to be. But where I lived in Japan was in Fukushima. The earthquake happened in 2011 in Fukushima. Uh, so at the time, like, a lot of the people that I knew were still there and, and your, your like nuclear Japanese isn't dope. Man, I forget how like recent that was. Like for me, I'm like, oh yeah, it's like history. Like, no, that was like recent. It's not a long time, amount of yeah. time. So I yeah. got really into that and I really into like finding out what was going on and using social to like let my friends know what was happening. Um, because like it was kind of all over the show. So I started like writing blogs and giving them updates. And then like, it kind of snowballed into a thing where there was like PR around it. And, and I had been involved with the Japanese embassy a little bit. And then there was a program where you could apply to go back and visit the region. If you had been in this, in the program that I was part of going to Japan, which is the jet program. So I applied and I got it. And then they sent me back. So then that became like a thing. And I was like, wow, like there's, a, and all I learned through that was like, there's a lot you can do with social. That's not like, Hey, I'm going to the mall. And then at the same time, a buddy of mine opened a bar and I was like, what are you doing on the internet? And he was like, what do you mean? We're going to open the doors to the bar and people are going to show up. And I was like, no. Uh, and my wife went back to school for web dev stuff. So she started teaching me like, Hey, this is how you can like build a website. So I built their website, then I built their social, then they started to like make money from it. And then my buddy said to me, like, I think you could probably charge people for this. And I was like, do you think so? And he was like, I'll pay you. And I was like, cool. So then I made my own company after that, because it was easier than just being like, hi, I'm Brent, the social media guy. Uh, yeah, back then, that wasn't a thing. Like that just wasn't no, that I a thing. It people hired for him. Yeah. I had like business cards and I was like, yeah, my team and I will manage your social media, which means just like me after my shift at the mall selling cell phones, like, and then I like, you know, you pirate Photoshop and then I got into design and then I just started like reading more and learning all the things. And that kind of like transitioned into doing a bunch of stuff in the tech. We eventually moved to Toronto because both of us, my wife graduated from her like post-grad thing for e-comp or not e-comp. She works in e-comp now, uh, for like web dev stuff. We moved to Toronto cause that's where the tech jobs were, which is ironic given that I work for Shopify, which is based out of Ottawa now. Um, full circle first yeah. full circle right there. Started doing like startup things, uh, like hacker nest. I was like an organizer of that for a couple of years. Um, and then eventually like, you know, I've worked up like a resume of like, Hey, I've worked with like all these startups and all these companies and I've run these hackathons. And, uh, and then I took a job at the DMZ 
Uh, and I was there for a couple of years. So, uh, and then running the, the DMZ stuff. And through that, I, then I met way more people. Like the DMZ was, was one it's just like, a hub. It's just a hub yeah, for like well, innovation, startups. Any yeah. of those like incubators, right, is a really good way to just go out and meet people. Like the startups that jump between incubators, they know what's up, right? Go and get free space in a spot that is that is teeming with other startups. And then like, and I'm not saying like the DMZ is the best because it's not like that's, they're all well, decent, right? Like they're technically they, number one. <laughs> yeah. They're technically the best. <laughs> yeah, <we laughs> marketing, marketing. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to go down that path. Uh, no. <laughs> but, but like, you know, you just meet a lot of people and I got really involved with a lot of things. And then like I did Navdeep Baines's election campaign in 2015 and he's the minister of economic development and innovation. Uh, and like, you know, I just started to like pad more portfolio. Um, and then eventually I had to apply through a Snapchat story. Is that how you applied? The cover letter was a Snapchat story. I brought it up. The, I'm going to tweet it out in a couple of days because it's like coming up to the time that I had to do it. Uh, and I found out afterwards they used it as like a growth hack to grow their Snapchat following because it got covered everywhere, right? Everybody was like, Shopify is hiring through Snapchat. So and like, yeah, download Snapchat, follow them, friend them, whatever it is. They were like, yeah, it worked. And I was like, man, uh, it's actually pretty good growth hacking. It is. It was really smart. Um, but I, that means that I had to shoot a whole Snapchat story. Um, and then I was on the Brandon comms team there. Uh, dude, like, I remember was, I mean, Snapchat's kind of past its prime now, but I remember you were the one that told me to make the, uh, the first Toronto fucking geo filter. Remember that? I do that was that. yeah that was the first toronto geo filter that was like before it was open to the public you had to like, apply to like be a designer that was awesome yeah dude remember that, that. Oh, remember that was so, a big deal like that's that a, was that was actually a big deal it, it was. was we all thought that was amazing we were like whoa the geo filter now it's like ar effects yeah, face filters yeah. anyone can make crazy stuff but like that's like that's how much it's evolved in like what three to four years like it's insane um and that's yeah, so then I was I, I joined as like a social specialist on the brand and comm side. So more of like the organic community stuff. And then Wait, uh, so was that the first thing you did at Shopify? Or is it is all organic and brand community stuff? Yeah. So like well, it was like we ran Twitter, Facebook, uh, Pinterest, like all the organic side of, of those. Uh, what else am I missing? I should know more off the top of my head. I guess Snapchat this, too would have been at the yeah, time. Yeah, Snapchat was hard though because you needed like a host, and we eventually oh. had one. Like that's at the DMZ. I ran the Snapchat, but that was like it was me every day. You make a mini movie. Like Snapchat is not an easy platform to just hop on and be like, "Yeah, we're no. here now." Um, yeah, it's like it's like more media than it, especially with TikTok now. I think like social media is moving more on the media side rather than social side, right? It's like content. It's not just like me posting my brunch or whatever. That's probably part of it, but it definitely is like media. Like you're like you're saying, there's a media personality. There's like a host with podcasts that eventually become social content. Like it's media. Like it's just like a distributed new media. Everything has to be. It doesn't have to be polished. I was about to say it has yeah. to be polished. I think like on tiktok maybe it has to like look pretty good if you want it to to go um right but like especially for the ad stuff that i do um it's weird because you see something you think isn't going to work at all smashes and and it'll be like something that i just like photoshop and i'm like yeah i'm just going to test this 
and I like put it in and then it kills. And I'm like, what? And then like a thing that you spend like so much time on and like videos that are like deep and like really well shot and edited and color corrected and stuff. And you toss that in and just it dies and you're like, whoa, what's happening right now? Um, so weird. I guess, are you able, so how do you measure that and how do you figure out, okay, so this is working, even if you didn't think it was, how do you like jot that down? How do you log that? And how do you keep like doubling down on that? I mean, that's, I think when you're on a brand and comm side, it gets really easy. Like the KPIs to, to be able to measure are really easy, be are not easy. Raising brand awareness is not easy, but measuring brand awareness or overall reach or anything like that like yeah you can just go out oh we hit a million people that means like a million people watch three seconds of this video cool but like what does that do um so like that's kind of where i started where it was like all right yeah let's get like let's get people to view videos and like let's make them share it and even i think on the organic side if you're looking at your overall reach that makes sense um if you're not paying for it right like try and figure out how many of your actual followers you're hitting and then like try and hit more of them because if you can hit more then there's more likelihood to share and a share is the best thing you could possibly look for so like you need literally to create, word of mouth that's exactly what you want well, yeah, yeah you need to create content that provides value like from an organic side you need to create you always need to create content that provides value right like that's just bar none um you need to create content that provides value and and then content that people can identify with or in some way they see a piece of themselves so that they then share it so it's not only are you like teaching somebody or like providing value in some way shape or form it's the like will this person share this because people will share things based off of like if they think it reflects their identity um Right. Like that's at least what, what I've found thus far is like, if you can tap into somebody that's even if they're like virtue signaling. Right. Yeah. And that's like the people to share, but like if somebody wants to be seen as whatever and sharing your content allows them to be seen that way, um, that's the easiest way to scale organically um, without, having to buy followers or anything else like the followers come after that right if you can create the content that's valuable followers come after that and then you you have more people that you could potentially reach and you try and increase that reach overall and you measure it on a per post basis because otherwise you get lost in like a well we'll just post every five minutes and that way we'll hit more people and like every algorithm will just pound you for that yeah, it feels like I feel like there's so much you have to take into account. Like it seems like it's like equal like science as it is like creative. Like there's so many like technologically. I mean like well with the algorithms one thing, but then there's also like human nature you need to account for as well. I feel like it's there's so many layers to it. Like if you're in social now, you can't just be you well you can be a content creator, but you need to pair that with somebody that's going to be able to analyze what's happening and like run the data. And I mean, when I first, like first at Shopify, I had like this massive spreadsheet that I would go in and pull numbers weekly from every single channel that we had. And then it would calculate like average number of shares per post, average number of likes per post. And it would like give me those averages. And then it would compare them to the previous quarter and compare them to 
the previous week so that we could see week over week growth and we could see quarter over quarter growth. It was gigantic. It was bananas. I, that's you crazy. Said, so do you have it automated now? Well, you yeah, have like, like a that, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's different. Like at the time, right? There wasn't there. There was the the brand social team was pretty big, and we had like video creators and stuff like that. But we didn't have a ton of data. Like we didn't have a ton of data support. Um, mm. But then they hired somebody, and he came in and was like, "What are you doing with these?" Like a, a data uh, scientist was like, okay. "What are you doing with these crazy spreadsheets <laughs> that you built?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know, like SQL or like any of those things." So like how. How so they started you, build. They built it in house. Yes. Like oh, that, that's sick. Yeah. So like now it got automated, which was better. Okay. Um, yeah. But then I moved over to the growth team where I'm spending the money. So there's a little bit of a. There's more data. There's there's more data support. I have yeah. I have like dope data scientists that I'm just like, hey, I need a dashboard that can show me like this, this, and this, and then they just like it's magic and then they literally build dashboards yeah like i mean that's they're doing more than that right they're not yeah for sure like we bring them in when we're gonna run experiments we literally the like data scientists on that supports our team is like my best friend uh i won't i don't do anything without her signing off on it i'm like yo does this make sense to you and she's like yes and then i'm like okay i'm gonna do that then uh so are you more of like the creative side now of that well no so like that's the this it kind of the kpis change when you're on a growth team because i'm responsible for like merchant ads so Mm. actually getting people to sign up so the kpis on a growth side are very different especially for something like shopify which is like a SaaS product that so yeah get into that get in that because it's totally different than like if you're doing ads for like a product or something D to C paid social or growth or whatever you want to call it is a little bit different than like a SaaS product because we have a 14 day free trial. So you can't really optimize towards the end of that 14 day free trial because most of the algorithms don't have a feedback loop that can extend to 14 days, right? If you start a store today, like even the Facebook algorithm needs a feedback loop within seven days. So you can't you can't optimize towards that. And, and then at the same time, like you're not, it's not like a one-time purchase, right? I'm not trying to get you to buy and in no way, shape or form. Am I like belittling D to C marketers? Because like they have a whole other like realm that is yeah. not like looking at ROAS and like doing like how to four X your ROAS versus three X your, and I'm just like, like, and I'm looking at like my cost per lead, my, and my cost per customer. And I'm trying to like make those numbers go down, but at the same time, reach as many people as I possibly can. Cause I'm getting you to not, not just SaaS, but Shopify specifically is like, you become a lead. Great. Right. You like put in your email and you, you start your store. Cool. Except like, that doesn't mean anything for like it, it does. It shows intent. But you use that as a tag almost. Like, okay, like, they've cool. done this thing. We've they done step one. Yeah. But what I need from you is I need you to be successful. Become a customer, but I need you to be good at it. Like, and and by I need, I mean like I'm trying to get yeah. you to a point where you're actually good at it. Right? Like right. that's the difficult thing is like 
it's not just like, hey, start a store. Because if you throw somebody in that knows nothing about e-com or nothing about online, or if you don't know anything and you just pop into the back of a Shopify store, it looks crazy because you don't know what you're looking at. Like, you're just like, what is all of this? Because it's our back, like the back end of Shopify is set up as your back office. It manages your inventory and your products and like all of the things. An online store is just a piece. It's just a piece of what it is. So like when you log in and it just hits you and you're like, what the, what am I looking at? Um, And like, that's the, that's the difficult, like, that's what I enjoy about marketing at Shopify is like, or marketing a product like Shopify in general is that it's not a straight shot. There's no like, Oh, they bought sunglasses. Cool. Done. Like, that's not, that's not the thing, right? I need you to, by the time you hit your admin, I need you to know what that looks like. Be ready for it. Understand what you're going to do. Understand the pieces that you need in order to set that up to then be successful, to then stay on the platform. And like, I don't succeed. And I mean, I think just in general market and Shopify in general is, is under the, the guise of like, we don't succeed unless the people that are on our platform are succeeding, which makes it a super easy place to work for because you're just like, Oh, cool. We're all going to work together to like make everyone successful. Dope. That sounds great. Like I get who's not behind that mission statement, right? It's just and like our mission statement is like make commerce better for everyone. But that's the point, right? Exactly. Just like, okay, yeah, I'll sign up for that. Lots of people want to work at Shopify all the time. And I have this discussion with them where they're just like, I want to work there because it sounds cool. And like, that's great. But like, you got to understand the product that you're building, working on what, and a lot of you, even myself included, like I kind of, you know, it was like e-commerce. Yeah. Like that's great. And then like I started and then I started a store and then I was like, Oh fuck, this is going to be a hard job. Do they make everyone, do they make everyone start a, a Shopify store when you sign up or once you start there? It's an onboarding where you do it in a group, but I de- like I had a person start on my team in March and like literally she came out of onboarding. And then the first day I was like, cool build a store and she was like but i just built a store and onboarding and i was like no you did that with like five people in two hours you get three days and at the end of three days i want to be able to buy something from your store and and like that is that's how you get like product knowledge yes that's my like overall tip for marketing is that if you don't actually fully understand your product you're fucked like, yeah. and you see it all the time where people are like, well, why don't you market it this way? And you're like, because that doesn't work. And that's not how the product works. And then you're setting people up to fail. Right. And you can go out and I, I could run ads all day that say things like become a millionaire and just like money bag, money bag. And like, that's not how it works. That's <laughs> but not- I feel like there's a secondary market of people marketing oh. courses for Shopify. That's a whole other thing. Dude. Yes. <laughs> oh but like my those, God. Anybody that's telling you like, Oh yeah, it's so easy to make a million dollars. Absolutely not. Like it is uh, even when I started my first store that I started, I started with a buddy of mine, the guy that owned the very first restaurant that I ran social for. He was like, man, you, we got to start a Shopify store now that you work there. He was like vegan, organic deodorant. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? But like we did it, right? So like we found a manufacturer. We like went out. We like 
built the branding. Like we paid like a legit designer to like do all the things. And like, I was like, I'm going to smash this. Like I understand everything. And like, here we go. And like, we had dope photos, all the things. I didn't know much about organic vegan deodorant, despite my hipsterisms. Uh, I was still like, what? This can't be hard. And (laughs) like, I didn't really do like the research on that, like the audience or how to reach them or anything. But I was like, I do this for a living. It's going to be easy. And I dropped like a thousand dollars on Facebook ads over a weekend and just lit it on fire. Like not a single sale at all. And I was like, Oh God damn. Like you can get, and I know, like I knew what I was doing. But I, right. And you're someone exactly you're someone who kind of knows what they're doing. So there's a lot of people going in who have no idea. Guys, we'll do that. And it's going to be easy. But like, I made mistakes because I didn't warm up my pixel enough. There weren't enough conversions in it. It wasn't past mm. that. Like, so Facebook didn't know what it was optimizing towards um, mm. because there weren't enough like pixel signals for purchase. And then I optimized towards purchase. And then Facebook just like fired it off and was like, maybe these people will do it. And like, and I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm so ballsy, like $200 a day. I'm going to make so much money. And like, no, no, just easy way to burn a thousand dollars. Yeah, um, totally. So like, and it was a good, it's a good, it's a good lesson to learn. Should you light a thousand dollars on fire to learn a lesson every time? Absolutely not. But, but like now I definitely like making that mistake. I don't, I won't make that mistake again. Like I never do. Ever. So what, what would you do instead? Uh, do you have a store currently? Uh, I, we stopped doing the deodorant because my buddy decided to move to Spain, which is fine for him. It's lovely for him. But like, I was Great like, well, <laughs> if you're leaving, then I'm, I'm done. I have like a full-time job and a child and like all the things. Um, uh, so then I started a store that is just like a fun, it kind of like keeps me in the product. Um, and it's, uh, it's, T- it's just t-shirts that say different uh jobs on them and i it's called ship the org because you know how they always say like don't ship the org chart yeah this is like you can get a shirt that just says design on it and i generally like drink a couple drinks and then write like a a terrible description for all of them like just everything that you would hate about like whatever that job is and just i write that that's awesome. Um, I'm going to put the link in the description. You guys can check it Jesus. out. Buy some of this. Sh- is it all, is it all print on demand? Yes, it is. It's Dude, print on that's, demand. That's dope. So what do you use for that? What was the process for setting that up? Cause I, I was building the landing page and then the ads for print on demand with Shopify. And I was like, okay, I need to, I need to like get into this so that I can build this in a flow that makes sense for somebody that knows nothing. Yeah, it was. It's not that hard. I mean, I don't. You just you install like Shopify as an app ecosystem. So the way that I always kind of use it is is like Shopify is like the iPhone, and then and it does like a bunch of dope things. And then there's an app store too that you can do other things with. So Printful is an app that's in there. There are a bunch of different print on demand companies, um, and you install it in your store. You set up a Printful account. You upload some designs, they go on t-shirts. There are like a million things that you can sell through print on demand. Um, and then 
and then you're you're done i mean you build your like store and you make it look good and you do all the right. optimizations and then if somebody orders from you then printful gets that it goes directly through your store to printful they print the shirt they ship it to them um it's just a, it's another form of drop i was talking to a guy today and saying like print on demand is essentially drop shipping but there's yeah. like a little extra piece of like hey here's like this design um and like i don't buy from ship because i i haven't i haven't switched the like due to covid they're slower oh some products yeah. are slower to ship and i haven't switched it uh, cause right. I like the, I like the shirts that I have. Like there, this is, this is uh, the one that I'm wearing right now is actually a ship the order. Oh, that's one. dope. That's awesome. Right. But which is almost cool because you can create your own designs that you, you would want on a shirt, get it designed and then shipped right to you, which is really cool. Is my like douchiest tech bro shirt. And it's ironic cause it has like the rocket ship, the up and to the right chart and then the flex emojis, just those three. <laughs> And like, that is like the tech bro, like, yeah, this is the best thing ever. Rocket ship upward chart. Yeah, literally. Like, literally. um, But uh, yeah, like it's, it's a relatively simple, like most of the people that you're probably like seeing merch from uh, are using some form of print on demand. Yeah, actually, I had John Marzo on here. Um, So we were chatting about it, like the whole e-commerce thing, because he does like Amazon FBA. And then we were talking about like the easiest way to get into this is like, you know, through drop shipping. And like you were just talking about, it's a really good way, you know, it's like your foot into the door into entrepreneurship and Shopify makes it like 10 times easier to get it all up and running. I don't, I don't need to be like a Shopify fanboy or anything. Like there are a million ways that you do this too, right? Like you yeah. do not need to use Shopify to like learn this. What ends up happening though, is that eventually you'll be like, Oh, but Shopify is far better at all the other things too. And I want that. Uh, and like you talked about the ecosystem, like just, it's like anything that Shopify doesn't do other people have done and you can connect it like super simple. Yeah. The system is dope. Um, but uh, yeah, like the FBA, like I know John was getting into that stuff and like FBA is a really interesting space, but it is like super technical too. I'm sure that, did you guys go super. deep on it? We what didn't go too deep. I think we'll do another one where we go deep on just Amazon FBA because his girlfriend is the one that like, she's like, she's called like the Amazon FBA queen online. So I'll have her on and, and she'll go deep. But like, I think he was a spreadsheet guy on all that. So it's, it's incredibly, incredibly technical really like from what i've heard like just as generic seo in 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 general pales in comparison to like how cutthroat like everything on on amazon is like it's and then and then top that off is like when you do start doing well the amazon's like ha fuck you we're gonna do it and then we're just gonna destroy you there was a time where a bunch of people were getting like it was like all right initially it was like get a bunch of fake reviews like you pile on fake reviews to your thing it pops it up then face or sorry amazon was i'm always used to just facebook eh? (laughs) uh and then uh and then amazon was like cool we see you guys doing that now uh if you get fake reviews on your on your product we'll pull it well then okay so i'm ranked fourth the three people in front of me i'll go spend ten dollars and get fake ads on our fake reviews on their products and then boom. Oh, guess what? I'm number one now. 
Like, oh damn! So then, then Cut was throat. that. That's how they came about with like the the like actual buyer or whatever. You know how like now you see yeah. the, the ads that are just like this is from like a legitimate buyer. It gets like way more intense. I've like looked into it because my my boss has like an his his wife has a Shopify store and he does Amazon stuff. Um, and he was like, it's bananas, but it's like gambling. It's ads. Like all this stuff is kind of like gambling, right? Is right. Like, Cause you're putting money to like, you're like, you're, you don't know if it's going to work. And are you allowed to talk? Are you allowed to talk about how much you spend for Shopify? Ballpark. Are you allowed? If you're not, then if you're not sure, then it's probably a no. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm trying but let's to just say you, you probably spend a fuck ton of money. I'm just going to say it's a ridiculous amount of money every day. But yeah, I mean, it is a healthy <laughs> amount of money. It is a healthy amount of money that, like and you over time you get like that's with any role in paid like and i don't i don't spend the most on my team i'll tell you that much uh like our search guys are just crushing me oh yeah because mm-hmm. I, I can only imagine like google and everything oh my god do you guys have to get some kind of like authorization for these kind of things or is it like a budget they approve the budget and they're like you go for it you do your thing guidance than that they're just not yeah. like yo go spend all this money right. however you want like there are target and this is what i was kind of getting at with like the kpis right it's like there are targets and yeah. if you come in under then they're not happy uh and like you know we're trying to like the growth team at shopify is like everybody is a rock star um and everybody's trying to crush whatever record is already there um, and like that's, but we're, is that we're part not, of the culture? Not, is that literally not, called, like, part of the culture of everyone trying to, we're not competing with each other. Well, like m- me and our like search guy, I compete with him all the time and he's going to wipe the floor with me all, all day long. Right. Um, but I like to mess with him. Uh, I think uh, like our performance marketing team is pretty competitive internally, but in like a joking way, but like you always want to beat what, like, there's no, there's no like undone now. It, especially no. in like performance marketing like i'm always even if i get the cheapest cost and the most customers and all the things that's not good enough i just keep going because i'm like i need to smash that like i need to be every single month i want to i want to be better as my numbers do better or like when i'm looking at like 90 day survivability rates and and like mrr and but that's just like what their or like what their gmv is that tells me like oh okay this is working like this flow is working and it's it's about like getting people comfortable enough i don't want anybody to sign up for a shopify store that feels like they have to you should like right. want to right you don't don't do it because you're like oh well i mean and no there's i'm not that good of a marketer like my creative is dope but it's definitely not like you're not watching it and being like, well, I guess I got to start a store now. Like that's, I'm just trying to like nudge you in the right direction and like kind of help you along the way. Yeah. Um, I like that. Cause it's not, it's not, I've seen ads. I get ads cause I've been on Shopify. I started a store recently, but it's, it's not pushy. It's not like, like I said, the secondary market of like these course creators and these business gurus. I like, it's like I, we find the top blog posts that, that, have to do with each like kind of market and then we retarget people with blog posts that are educational and teach them how to do the thing like because our 
our content marketing team, like I was saying, like our growth team in general, every kind of department is is dope. They're great. They they're really well informed. They know what they're talking about. That all their articles are well researched, and they're just like it's just literally guides on how to like run a thing. And that's the hard part is with like a sh- with a platform like Shopify because you can do so many things on it. There's no one like way right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no, like, there's no recipe that's just like, well, do this and then do that and then do this and then do that and then do this. Like you have to kind of make it up as you go along. And like, you can find out the pieces that you need to, to, to get into, but like the kind of like the education is there. Is there, are there no structured courses in the shop? There are, yeah, there are tons. Yeah. Yeah. But they, again, even, even those are different streams. But that's yeah. Like what I'm getting at is like, you could install a drop shipping app and drop ship for a month and it, maybe it doesn't work out, but then you install a print on demand app. Maybe then you like start like doing woodworking and, and selling some stuff. And then like, then you have a hybrid model of like print on demand and drop shipping and like mm. you make your own stuff. And like, I can't, it's, you don't know. Yeah. Like, Oh, yeah. what's the best way to take a product shot? I mean, there are a bunch of ways you could do it that are good. I can tell you if it's bad, like if it's, you know, don't shoot it like this way and this way and like, don't make it grainy. And like, there are a bunch of things. Basics. Yeah. Experimentation of like the variables around like, what are you selling? How are you selling it? What channels are you selling it on? How much are you selling it for? Like, what's your shipping time? Like all those things. So know your variables, get those variables, get your ducks in a row. And then you can start. And I mean, like you have to kind of look at it from a scientific lens. It seems like it's like, you're not going to be messing with like five variables at once. You're not going to know what the fuck made the change. You got to do one thing at a time. This is like, I mean, like how do you guys juggle that where there's so many moving parts at Shopify? Yeah. But that's at least I have like that. That's the thing, right? Is like, I'm very like well supported, I guess in that, like, I, there's a data team and we have like a, a video team that makes dope like tutorial videos. And like, then I just get to take that stuff and be like, Oh, here's, here's an awesome video with a really cute Corgi where they make a print on demand store. Like, Oh, okay. That smashes. Right. But when you're in like the shop of like, if you started a store, it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter if it's a Shopify store, you start selling stuff online it's just you like there's no one i mean yeah you could ask people but nobody's gonna like when i'm doing like geo tests and and i need like okay i need 10 cities in the u.s that i can test it as a test and i need 10 cities in the u.s as a control and i'm gonna like run this test i just i just hit up a data scientist and then i'm like yo which 10 cities and then they tell me and then I run it right. Versus when you're doing it by yourself, like all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, how do I like AB test this? How do I AB test this landing page versus this landing mm-hmm. page or this price versus this price? And and then how do you get traffic to the, to your actual store? And then how do you get people to buy? Like you get traffic all day, but maybe your product page looks terrible or, or maybe it's like not optimized and the, and, and your, your speed isn't there or, like there are a bunch of things. Yeah, a million different things. Like it's crazy to me that like again, even within Shopify, just the sheer like amount of like I said, the moving parts. Like, but it seems like you're all on the same page. You guys are all moving into like the same 
uh, direction where it's like educate. Like, it seems like everyone, I'm sure the UX team is doing the same thing as the onboarding, as marketing. You guys are all like, like teach people how to use this thing as much as possible in whatever it is that they're trying to do and then just hope for the best, I guess, because you can't really handhold much further after that. And we have people that kind of focus on every state. Yeah. But that being said, like, don't think that like Shopify or any company has their shit together. Like nobody does. There are fires everywhere. Like that's, it's just, it, it doesn't matter where you like, everybody is not like walking into Shopify every day being like, we got this and we know exactly what we're doing and we're just crushing it out. Like that's not the thing that's happening at all. Right. Everybody's like, Oh shit. Did I fuck that up? Oh God. Oh, I'll put out that fire. Like that's, but that's everywhere. It's just like from the, as long as whatever you ship works and looks good, like, and then after that, when you like pull the curtain back on anywhere, it's a shit show. It's a shit show. Nowhere has their shit together. Not a single company on the face of the planet in Apple guaranteed. They are, people are losing their minds right now at Apple and at Facebook. And like at every company, people are like, Oh my God. And somebody is questioning like, how is this the best fucking company to work at? For sure. For sure. There's not a single person that's just not everybody at Apple is like, everything is great here. And I love it. Like, somebody's fighting with somebody else and there's like a war going like that's there's <laughs> craziness right but that's again and i'm not saying that like i think that way just because shopify is like that it's not always like that but there's stuff there's not i don't there's a lot of people there's a lot of things going and that's the shit that goes behind the scenes the stuff that we see like when you see it like you know there's a fuck up you're like oh shit someone just got fired like right away <laughs> well and that's but like and even then at least they're very much into like you know, fail. Like, like just don't be an asshole in general, but like fail. And that's failure is fine. Failure is like, Hey, like I'm happy to go out and be like, Hey, I fucked up. This is the thing. You have to come back with like, this is what I learned from it. Right. Um, if you didn't, do you have any stories? Do you have any fuck up stories that you, that you want to share? Uh, any prominent um, ones? <laughs> God, like, I think, um, what can I tell? I definitely posted to the Facebook Shopify or Shopify's Facebook page um, as a restaurant um, with a menu and was like, we got this on special when I like, and it sat there for like eight hours uh, before I caught it. Um, Were there comments? No, it was just crazy. Like I was oh, like, what yeah, lucky. is happening? And like, you know, 40,000 people saw it. That's fine. Right. Um, okay. So, so this is, so w- when you, when you did that, was that because you were still managing like your clients, like freelance and, and agency work? And I did it from my phone because I was kind of, I ended up like draw, I, I don't freelance anymore because I was kind of like phoning it in with those clients. Um, mm. Like, so I was literally like on my phone, on the streetcar uploading an image through Google or Facebook page manager and definitely put it on the, (laughs) and I thought for sure, like, I was like, I am going to get fired. Uh, And then uh, nobody fired me. Um, Did anyone even notice? Did anyone notice? It was brought up as the, in one of our meetings, our data guy at the time brought up our worst performing post of the week and brought it up 
Like that is what. Uh, <laughs> um, so, but my boss wasn't in that meeting at the time, so that's key. He didn't know, and I was just like, "Everybody, shut up!" <laughs> like, Did not no happen. Say anything. That's good. So, um, learning. What was the learning from from that? Just like things on the go. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Like that. So you, you shut down the, your business after that. Yeah, like soon after that kind of thing. I mean, even mm. when I was freelancing and had my own like company in air quotes, even though it was just me. And at one point, like another guy, um, but you can't take on more than you can actually, you just have to, when I was freelancing, what I learned really quickly is it's easier to wait until somebody's willing to pay you what you're worth than it is to take on a bunch of clients that will like nickel and dime you. Um, so like at one point I had like 12 clients and I was managing all their social channels. I was creating all of their content for every single channel and posting to them every single day. But that's 12 times like three or four uh, different channels. And I was putting different content on different channels every day. So that's wh- whatever. What does that work out to? Like 48 pieces of content a day. And like each of them were paying me like 500 bucks a month. And like, and you're like, cool. Like, and at the time I was like, I'm going to make like $6,000 this month. But I died. Like I died. Not worth and it. And then yeah. like later on, I realized like, or I could just charge like one client, like $5,000 a month and actually like do the work. And at the, at the time, like I didn't know because I, I have a history degree, not a business degree or anything. So I didn't know how to run a business or how to like do accounting or like figure out how to do my like pay structure. Like I was like, I don't know, what will you pay me? And people were like 500 bucks. And I was like, cool sold. And like, I was like, I just made 500 bucks. And then it's like a month worth of work. And I didn't know how agencies worked or anything. Like I was just like, how do people charge for this? And like, at one point I pitched soda stream and they actually turned me down because it was too cheap. Like, and they thought, ah, this guy probably doesn't know what he's doing because Mm. I, and I was asking for like, I think this was, this was like 2013. And I asked for like 2000 bucks a month. I was like, I was like flat fee. I'll run your social 2000 bucks a month. And, and that was like, including their paid and like all the things. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then they were like, they looked at it and they, I think they were paying some agency like 20 grand a month. And I didn't even Damn. realize that that was possible. Like I just, it didn't even like occur to me like, Oh, random agency could be charging like 20 grand a month. And they were, I'm sure things are worse these days with all well, these yeah. social media marketing agencies. Like, Oh man. The reason I got in with a bunch of people is that I would like, just, I would find five things wrong with whatever their online presence was. And then I'd email them with the five things and the five fixes. Like I was like, here's how you fix this. Like open graph always. Nobody knows what open graph is. Nobody optimizes it ever. And like, if you're listening and you're like, what the hell is open graph? It is the, the, if you're listening, you're definitely listening. Uh, if you're still there, wake yeah, up. If you're still there, like <laughs> open graph is the image and the title and the description that is attached to a URL when you share it to a social platform. So sometimes you get like terrible ones that have no image and the title's all like jacked up and you're like, what the hell is this thing? Um, yeah. And like that is massive, especially like always sort your open graph because it's, if somebody shares your site anywhere, you want to put your best foot forward and build like the best possible brand 
awareness you have. And if it looks terrible, even your mom won't click on it. So like open graph is super important and optimizing it is, you know, you need to have the right size image. You need to have the right amount of text because if you're, if your title is longer than 45 characters, then it cuts off your description. So your description isn't there and you need to keep that in mind. And if it goes, you can go up to 90 characters, but if you go over that gets cut off and like, it's those like little tiny things that most people don't know. And they just kind of miss like everything you have to look at with the most critical eye. So it's the easiest to just go and look at somebody's social and just be like, this is wrong. And this is wrong. And this is wrong. And this is wrong. And like, that gets you in the door. Like the best one on Twitter is when people have the emoji that points to the side because that's where they're putting the URL, except then it embeds below and and you don't see the URL. And now you just have a random emoji <laughs> at the end. That's like, point I, I, you got to point down, always point, point down, down. Po- but, always. Right. Unless you have zero <laughs> open graph and it's just going to be a URL or yeah. if you're cre- if you're adding like an image to it, but then you have a double CTA in that you have like a, your piece of media and your URL. Like, well, now what am I, am I clicking the, the image or am I clicking the link? Like that stuff can get you in the door. And a lot of people like don't pay that much attention to. Yeah. I think with anything, just have a really critical eye on what you're doing. Like too many people just, just kind of do the bare minimum and you could tell if, when you go the extra mile and you, like, you really care, you got to put that little cherry on top, you know, there's nothing that I necessarily ship where I'm just like, yeah, meh. Like, you know, you got to like look at it and be like, all right, how you have to put yourself in the shoes of somebody that has no idea what you are, who you are, what your brand is, any of those things. You have to look at it from like net new eyes. And, and like, and there's a lot of pieces too that like the average person won't even see, but if you nail them. And so would that be with like, I guess, organic or paid? You're just saying in general, you're putting your self out there in front of people that they will see it regardless. Yeah. I think you and I have talked about this before, but like paid social should be like your last thing. Like you're, unless you're a discovery brand or what, like you need to be discovered and that there's no search intent or anything like that. Like paid social should be the last thing you look to do because you're, there's no guarantee that you're going to get in front of people that care about anything. And like a lot of people will like run, I, I teach at, um, biz start, which is like a youth employment services of Ontario, uh, thing where they like teach entrepreneurship. It's actually a really dope uh program where you can go and get paid minimum wage to like learn entrepreneurship for six months um that's awesome yeah it's, it's, i'll put a link in the description anyone in yeah. ontario who's interested that's yeah. uh there are like great some requirements around it but like just look at it i don't know i so I, I guess lecture there and like teach them stuff and there is always somebody that's just like running instagram ads from their phone in instagram like they're just boosting posts and I, I'm always like, look, if you're running ads on Instagram from your phone, from Instagram, like just boosting your posts, please freaking stop. Like, stop. You're wasting your money. You're like, you're throwing it away right now. Like, because you see people advertising. So smart from Facebook, like yes. from their point. <laughs> decreasing. Yeah. Like decreasing the barrier to entry, right? Like any, if you're boosting a post on social media, stop it. It's like, stop doing that right? If you're clicking the boost post button and then putting money behind it, it's real dumb. Stop doing that. Like use ads manager and like learn it. And like, I, I'm not saying you need to go super deep and get crazy into like 
server to server offline picks. So like, like you don't need to go crazy. You don't need to like build API and connections and, and like, that's the, the stuff that I'm dealing with on a daily basis. And that stuff's not fun either. Um, but like the basics of like what a pixel is, where to put it, what kind of audience you can go after your lookalike audiences, making sure that all of your like tech stack is in place. But like, those are, that's the thing. If you're just running ads on Instagram to reach people, you're never going to do anything because they're getting hit with like thousands of ads a day, right? There's no way like your ad has to be the craziest ad they've ever seen in their lives. And if you think that it is, you're fucking kidding yourself. Like there's no way like, and that's the problem, right? Is like, everybody's like, everything that I do is the best. And like, no, it isn't. It, it needs to like, it needs to have sticking power or something. And it probably doesn't, especially if you're, if, <laughs> especially if you're like boosting it from the Instagram app. Yeah. So first, obviously, first things first, like get your <laughs> organic, get your organic straight, which is like, like, what would you what would you say for people to get their organic straight? Like you're just posting to Instagram, you're posting Facebook. It's just all about building your community, building people who care. So how would you go about um, building that first? What were what are some tools and tips? Okay, so one, there's a talk that I give at startup school that is the same thing that I give at BizStart. And there is a video of it but it's from like 2016. So it's, it's younger me. Um, <laughs> but the philosophy is still kind of the, the deck hasn't really actually changed that much because it's more philosophical. So you can go and like watch me rant for two and a half hours if you really want to. But like the things that you start with are like what your strategy is. So it's like your goals, your target segments and your content themes. Those are the three pieces that you need. You come up with like, what do I want to achieve with this like business in general? Uh, who are my target segments? Like, who am I going after? Are they investors? Are they customers? Are they potential partners? And you write all of them. Don't just say like one, write all of them. Cause you have to keep all of them in mind when you're posting to social, because any of them could see any of those things at any point. How does that impact your overall goals and, and your brand in general? Uh, and then you build your content themes and that's the stuff that you share on a regular basis to your social channels. Um, like if it's like thought leadership pieces or memes or whatever, and everybody can spite can, can, uh, post spicy memes all day and get likes, but that doesn't actually like move your brand or your business forward. Right. It's just like, cool. Unless you're doing a meme account, but then like, what do you, you gotta do some pretend to ban meme shirts. Like it's the only way. <laughs> and then like, so you build those three things out where you're like, all right. And the easiest way to come up with content themes is go and look at a competitor and then you'll immediately hate everything that they're doing, but, but then figure out the stuff that they're doing that's working and be like, well, I could do that better because that's immediately what's going to happen in your mind. You're going to go like, well, I'm better than look at this piece of crap. Okay. Do a better version of it then. Like, but you don't need to like invent the wheel and then eventually like test new content themes, right. And consistently test what time you're sharing it at and like, where you're getting engagement from and, and like best posts or best times to post will change over time because like seasons and stuff like that. Even when I was at the DMZ, we used to do that all. We had like student staff go and find like the three worst tweets from that entire month and like what time we shared them at, what media was shared with them, what we wrote, like all the things. And then we would say, and then we would do like, all right, tweets that were dope. And we look at those three and then over time you can start to see like, cool, mm. which content theme is actually working here and which one isn't. 
Um, and if you aren't creating your own content, because it's hard to create a, a ton of it, find a news article in your niche uh, and like tweet it out or put it, put pieces of it on Insta or whatever and tag the journalist because then you're building a relationship with the journalist that covers your beat. And when you write something, write something like thoughtful or thought provoking, like don't be an asshole, but like write something that goes along with it and tag like via this journalist at this paper and share the link. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, look at this lovely person saying a lovely thing about me. What do they do? And then they click through and your profile is beautiful and you've sorted it out and you have your, your link to your site and you have, you have a beautiful description. You have social content that is multiple content themes. So they don't see you as like a one trick pony with like just one content theme consistently shared. And then they're like, wow, this is great. And they click to your website and it's dope because your website is the most important. So unfuck your website first before you do any of this. Like that's the number one. If your website is fucked, everything else that I just talked about is done. Like don't even think about social media until your website experience is dope. Like, and it better be good. And like, like your copy has got to be on point. And I always say when I'm doing these talks, like don't ask your mom to read your copy. Ask my mom because she doesn't know you and she doesn't care. Right. Oh, I love that. That is, that's how you tell, give it to strangers. Don't ask your friends like, Hey, what do you think of this thing that I just like poured my heart and soul into? <laughs> None of your, like if you have good friends, then they're not going to, they're, they're, they're going to be like, it's great. I love it. I love everything about it. And, and then it's you're going to be like, like, there's a few miscommas there. Yeah, that's like it. That's, <laughs> and that's the thing, right? And like your website has to be on point and it has to go two clicks to get, sorry, I'm kind of going backwards here, but we're going in a user flow version of like social media to your website, but it's two clicks to get anywhere. If it takes me more than two clicks to get anywhere, you're dead to me because it's the internet and I need instant gratification. Um, and if I want to go deep on about you, I better be able to read why this company exists and why you care about it. But at the same time, if I just want to like buy the thing, I better be able to get there too. Um, so somebody experiences their, your website and they like drink your Kool-Aid and they either like give you the monies or they're like, wow, I really like that brand. And you've just like, raise your brand awareness. And now you have like a session on your site that you can either use to retarget against or whatever. Um, so that's the, that's the, that's the Facebook pixel you're talking about where it's like, if they landed on a certain page, it got somewhere that pixel will say it's they're on that page and or you can explain it better than I can. So explain the pixel side of like the tracking. Cause people are always kind of scared about that part too. People hate that, right? People hate it, but there's a reason for it. Well, and this is, it, this is all kind of changing right now too, with like iOS 14. And so it's kind of, we're going to see like what pixels do. And like, just Apple is like on the war path to like kill the cookie. Um, yeah. But there are other ways, right? Like, so every social platform uh, and every advertising platform has some version of a pixel that is on a site that fires when you land on it and then fires when you do different things. Um, and that's how you get followed around by ads because you're retargeted, right? So if you're logged into Facebook or Instagram on your desktop or on your mobile phone or whatever, and then you're on a website and that pixel fires, it fires and says, Oh, this person from Facebook just visited this site. And you can, you can set that pixel up to 
to fire events when you've been on the page for longer than 30 seconds. You can set it up to, to do scroll depth. You can set it up to have multiple page views, like a bunch of different things, right? So that you need that in place if you ever plan on spending on social. And that's Facebook isn't the only one with a pixel, right? Like they all have pixels. So if you want to spend on Pinterest, guess what? You need like the Pinterest tag. And like they all like try and name their stuff differently. Like Facebook uh, has lookalike audiences and Pinterest has Pinterest has actalite audiences. Uh, like, come on. What, just, what is TikToks? They must have something like that. I, I don't think that they do. I'm actually like implementing. Well, I'm debating implementing a TikTok pixel um, like right now. So I haven't got to a stage where for a little while, like I was ready to do it a couple of months ago and then it got like dicey. And I was like, what is, what's going on? And I just, I was, it didn't feel right. So, yeah. So I kind of like, you got to go with your gut. You got to go with the intuition there. Cause it's, it's, it it is rough. And I mean, the ads are okay on it. There are some ads that are like, people are doing a really good job at native ads on TikTok. Like you cannot tell half of them are ads. A lot of people are like TikTokers are running ads. So they know they're like, Oh yeah. Like I'm a TikTok person. And, I think like TikTok as a social platform is the dopest thing that has existed in a really long time. Like yeah. that for you page is uh, that algorithm is amazing where it just like insane learns and then it, it adapts to the stuff. Like, Oh, it's so even warm. stuff without, I've seen stuff where it has no hashtags and no title or anything. And you're like, it's still relevant. How? But I just, yeah. oh, I, I know man. my philosophy on it is I see TikTok as more of a media platform, like a YouTube than a social platform for sure. But I mean, yeah, regardless, it's still a channel. So I guess all of these are more like channels. It's like the new TV, right? That's all it really is. But now instead of just like, oh, let's just run a TV ad. Like now you can actually like measure this stuff, which is cool. Yeah. Like that's the thing, right? Like when you run traditional tv like even we we've had some like brand campaigns that I've, I've done some of the medium buying for and stuff like that and i'm just like okay yeah so what do we get with tv and they're like well like we generally hit like this many people and i'm like oh cool like who are they and they're like we don't know and you're like do you know that that many people actually saw it and they're like no it's just like a guess and you're like what do you mean it's a guess like what because like the digital side of things there isn't like room for discrepancy. Like I'm like, how many impressions, how much reach, like what was the frequency of the reach? Like how many people did we hit more than twice? Like things like that, like that you can just pull out. Um, like imagine bringing that into like the Mad Men era, era of the sixties. Like they would be like, what are you talking about? TV where you can actually see who is the person watching this. You can get their shoe size probably. And when they sneeze and if they say that your brand while they're talking to someone. Weird though. Like, cause that's the thing being on the other end of these ads. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not that deep, man. Like there's no, there's no deep end. Like the people that are, you know, you're like, you say sunglasses out loud. And then all of a sudden you see sunglasses ads. No. Those people aren't bidding on like the people that say sunglasses. Yeah. Like, like that's not, they're not in your shit. And, and I mean, maybe Facebook is, 
Well, you have a you have a bunch of Google Homes, right? You're just we're talking about this. So and so you're obviously not afraid, and people are get afraid. They get like really anxious about all this stuff. But you as the marketing side of it, this probably maybe adds to it. It would be a little bit hypocritical if I was like, yeah, like I'm implementing pixels and then like trying to like get a person to do a thing through ad tech. Also, though, I don't trust ad tech. Like, uh, no, I don't. And at the end of the day, as long as you're like, maybe this is, maybe this is wrong, but it probably isn't. Is that like, at the end of the day, it's just marketers that are going to use that data, right? Like I define, like, is this, this, or something like, I don't know. That seems, that goes a little bit too far for me where I'm like, I'm not I mean, sure. they probably are. I mean, there's a reason why Zuckerberg has so many tax credits, but I mean, and, and yeah, and like maybe they'll get that maybe, data anyway, somehow. Yeah, you know? I've, I've just never been that big into like conspiracy. Yeah, like what well, into the like, I need like, no one should be able to hear me because I'm kind of like, right. okay. And, but again, there's there's definitely an issue with like the somebody saying like, well, like, if you have nothing to hide, don't worry about it. Like, that's not the thing either, right? But, like, I don't know. Like, if Google wants to listen to me, like, like that's fine. Like, I'm not, nothing, nothing crazy is happening here. And, like, I, for sure, if, if there was, like, other stuff that I was, like, up to, then, yeah, I, I might be a little bit you more. You hide it. If you're going to do cra- shady stuff, like you're going to use a Tor browser, you're going to do all that stuff. So, you know, obviously, if you have stuff to hide, don't just go use Google on Chrome with an open internet. Like, just don't be stupid. Like, yeah. You have stuff to hide, but like... <laughs> a Facebook account or don't have... Or like, yeah. don't be logged in or whatever. I mean, that's... I don't know. Do people still use... Like, people still use Facebook for sure. But like, yeah, I don't... Yeah. I mean, I like... I have my account and I'm logged in or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, if somebody tags me, then maybe I see it, but like, I don't open that up anymore, right. but I'm so definitely you, you being may... tracked. Like if yeah, you don't, sure. if you don't want to be tracked, like the easiest thing to, to do is like use an incognito window or like use Safari because Safari is getting rid of like cookies and, and all of that tracking. Mm-hmm. And then use a different email when you're like buying stuff. What's really interesting is like, because I, when I buy stuff, I use a different email than I use with my like social accounts and a mm. lot of brands won't, they don't exclude purchasers. So then you end up seeing ads for that. The, the desk company that I bought my desk from, I still get ads from them being like, buy this desk. And I'm like, I already did. Yeah. And this is a waste of money for them. But yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that. Well, they're, yeah. they're uploading emails to block mm-hmm. out their customer list, except if your email doesn't match with your Facebook email and Facebook doesn't have that secondary email on file and you can, you can opt out of like Facebook pixels. And there's a picture, there's a section in Facebook where you can actually see like how you've been tracked. You can go in and look at like what pixels fired on you and stuff like that. And there's like pixel helper that you can put on Chrome and it'll show you every single event that is firing on every single website. Like everybody has Google, it's like Google tag manager or something like there are, everybody has, TikTok has a pixel helper. So you can go and see which pixel events from TikTok are firing on every page that you visit. Um, Which is probably helpful for you as the marker to make to make sure that your pixels are firing. That's the reason why it exists, I assume, right? So you can test it. <laughs> and I like to do it for competitors. Oh, like, interesting. You go, and, you go and look, and you're like, "All right, where do they where do they have it firing?" 
or mm-hmm. like you get served a competitor ad and then you click on it and then it yeah. shows like go through the whole U- flow. They're like UTMs, but like mm-hmm. a lot of people don't think about like hiding, like my UTMs are all coded. So like I have like short form codes so that I know what it is and the people on my team know what it is. But if you read it, you're like, what the, f- what does that mean? Um, like otherwise, like if it was in plain, if it was in plain English, like what would it say? You know, zero to four percent look alike. Buyers under thirty in the last thirty days, like it's, and you're just like, well, you just wrote that whole thing, like, and it's so that they Jeez. can track it back in like Google Analytics. They can see the the UTM's that were like, if you don't know what UTM's are, at the end, you know, when you click on a link and and at the end of it there there's just a bunch of random like words and stuff like it's like shopify.com slash blog slash online store or whatever and then it's like question mark and then it's like utm underscore and a bunch of things right um that's how people are tracking like where you came from so not only are you potentially tracking a click and an ad id or whatever you're still actually tracking it on your own site um so it's like a fallback uh, because you don't want to just trust like Facebook numbers or Google numbers or whatever. You can like look mm. at your own and be like, cool, this is what I see. Cool. And using like Google Analytics for that or whatever analytics platform you're using. Are there any last sort of like resources that you'd like to share that you think is great for, I guess it'd be mainly for SaaS because that's what you've been doing. So like SaaS marketers um, or it could be, you know, merchants, it could be like the Shopify blog is dope. If you're, if you're like a merchant or you're like looking to learn something, especially like, yeah, all of our content marketers are great. Um, so that's a solid resource. I mean, if you're, I don't know the books that I like go to as like actual sources are less of the like tactical and technical pieces um, like understanding the tactics is the most important because you can't build strategy without understanding. But um, strategy-based ones are like Unmarketing by Scott Stratton that was like written way back. Um, and Jab, 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 Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk, who we didn't talk about, but I know, just surprising. Absolutely do not enjoy that dude. But but like his book is pretty good. That book is pretty good. It is good. Um, he knows what he's talking like about. He knows what he's talking about. I just can't take like the hustle porn. Everybody does yeah. it for like for three months. Have you read that? Have you read the, uh, the article, no more hustle porn by, I think it was Nat Eliason. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Cause it is like Gary V's the poster child for it. He was like, you always got to be working. No, we're at like the work life balance stage now. Like the hustle, hustle life was earlier now we've all yeah. like evolved from that and been like okay as a species is, no, yeah this is a bad idea um yeah. and then the last one is like hooked by near il which is actually about habit forming products but mm-hmm. if you read that from a marketing lens it is smart like i remember like going through it and being like oh this applies like this applies to social like to building community and like how do you keep people like coming back and engaging with your product? Well, that's essentially what you're trying to do on social. So I'd say like those three books are the best like philosophy books around like how to build a marketing strategy. And then from a tactic standpoint, you got to do it. And like, if you don't know how to do it, don't be right in strategy. Cause then you end up with like people just saying real dumb things. 
being like, well, we're going to do a TikTok, but we'll put it on YouTube. And then, and you're like, no, none of that works. Are there like blogs, people you follow, stuff like that, that you look at almost daily, weekly, stuff like that? Yeah. Twitter for sure. Like Twitter, marketing Twitter is pretty dope. Uh, and like, I, I feel like I said dope far too many times. Uh, it's all good. But um, like marketing Twitter and D to, like D to C, it, when I'm honestly, when I'm looking at like performance stuff, I'm not following like a ton of SaaS people because we're not overly open, but D to C are like, they share their stuff all the time. They're like, Hey, I ran this hundred thousand dollar test and like this happened. And I'm like, Ooh, cool. And then you can just ask and they're all like pretty down to earth. So you just ask, be like, did you think about doing it this way? And then they respond. And then you're like, Whoa, okay. Because they're very, you're not like, there aren't a ton of like performance marketers that are just running around sharing stuff. So right. there are like 10, like uh, Corey Dobbin, I would say is like a Canadian D to C marketer that I met at Facebook last year. And then, um, and like David Herman, those two guys are pretty dope. Uh, Matt Kobach, who just went to, he was at NYSE and now he works at fast. Oh, cool. Like those are the three that come off the top of my head. Cool. I'll link them all in the description. I'll go into your following. And is your Twitter open? So obviously follow Brent if you haven't um, already. And is your is your Twitter open? Can people DM you? Can they find your following and followers list? Do you have a li- do you have a list? Do you have a Twitter list of like these people? A list, but they're all private. Uh, okay. Okay. So we'll just go into your following. So those yeah, people. Like, yeah. I engage with those people. I think I called Corey Dovin out the other day uh, on one of my tweets. So like it should be there. I think I tagged both of them. Cause I was messing around about D to C and I was like, I'm coming for you guys. Um, that's funny. I mean, my Instagram is, is just pictures of my kid. So it's not, I'm not an influencer. Uh, on Twitter, I'm pretty spicy and on LinkedIn, I've been starting to share my, my tweets to LinkedIn. So I've been noticing that I've been noticing that. So yeah. Connect, yeah. You get angry yeah. when you put tweets on LinkedIn. For yeah. Sure. They're different. They're totally different. Uh, mediums for sure Tw- for me twitter's where it's at i've been that's where i've been most of the time i find it's better than even linkedin for business stuff as well i think a lot of people are getting sales and partners through twitter so i think it's uh, the way to go for sure tweets and put them on linkedin say spicy stuff on linkedin man like it's crazy the amount of people that are like i think i've shared like five or six posts in the last like three months and the amount of like people that are viewing my profile and like and you hit st- thousands of people i think i have like a thousand connections on linkedin because i don't connect with people that i don't actually know and like i'm hitting like twenty thousand people with a a, just a rando post because their algorithm is so slow to update so it'll show it i'm still getting likes on a thing that i posted like a week ago i've noticed that yeah it's super weird so like okay cool like say something spicy linkedin might be a good platform to really start uh looking into leadership innovation thing right like <laughs> that, that was the that. spicy tweet yeah, there like, you go well, yeah. <laughs> when it, my my like spicy tweet was like anybody that has thought leader in their bio thought leader or expert in their linkedin bio is uh is either lying or an asshole or something along those lines <laughs> and a bunch of people on linkedin that have thought leader in their bio no took offense <laughs> One guy particularly just went 
off. Like he wrote like seven comments and I don't even know him. It just like showed up in his feed and he was like, this guy is attacking me or whatever. And Oh my God. Told me that I was contributing zero to the world. And I was like, bro, it is LinkedIn. You need to chill out. Like LinkedIn Jeez. is the angriest platform. If you like hit a nerve, um, which is amazing. I loved it. I was, that's just, good. Oh, it's so good. I'm trying to think of like more spicy LinkedIn tweets that I can like, just you and know, then funnel it and over then there, funnel it over. I like wait until I have some decent engagement on Twitter. And then I'm like, yeah, this is the one. That's awesome. That's the one. All right. So Brent, I guess, Twitter is a place to find you. Uh, yeah, so go follow Brent on Twitter. Brent, this is awesome. We'll definitely go deeper in part two because there's a lot I still want to ask you. And it's been two hours, but we had to do the first hour of like, like, you know, personality, you know? <laughs> I drank slowly throughout the whole thing that it got better, right? Let's yeah, hope. and that's, I, everyone thinks I'm drinking beer. You can't see in the video, but I'm, I have a swell bottle that everyone thinks is a beer bottle. So, you know what? Next time we do this, I'm going to have to have a few and then I think you'll just get like super spice. I was kind of afraid. I was like, how much do I drink for this? But I think that I've done our, I think this is only two. I'm only on beer number two. No, that's the perfect amount. That's the perfect amount. Yeah, that's exactly it. All right. Well, Brent, this was awesome, man. Thanks so much for coming on Mind Meld and uh, let's call it a night. 